our spiritual health, it all has to do with relationships. Relationship with God and relationship with one another. And therefore, forgiveness is essential for healthy relationships with God and with one another. I'll say that again. Forgiveness is essential for healthy relationships. Why should we ask for forgiveness in our prayer lives? Why do we need to incorporate this in our prayer lives? Lord, forgive us our debts. Forgive me, Lord. Why? Because when we sin, sin damages relationships. Sin does a lot of damage all around the world in in a lot of ways. But mainly, sin damages relationships. Sin damages relationships with God. And sin damages relationships with one another. Like any relationship, asking for forgiveness is natural and should be taken seriously as long as the relationship is worth it to us. As long as it's worth it to us. Forgiveness is crucial. Alright? Crucial. This is really important. Forgiveness is crucial for obeying the first and second greatest commandment. The greatest commandment says what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Forgiveness, because forgiveness is taking place in relationships, we need forgiveness if we want to obey those two commandments. We will not progress and mature and grow in obeying, loving God and loving one another without getting into the norm of forgiveness. Forgiveness. Forgiveness brings reconnection in life and relationships. That's a, I love that word, reconnection. That happens through forgiveness. Think of, like imagine with me, John 15. Jesus talks about, I am the vine and you are the branches, right? Think about a vine connecting with the branches. And that branch, it bears fruit because it's connected to the vine. Because the nutrients and the life that flows from the vine into the branches causes the fruits to grow. Just like that, if we don't have forgiveness, we can't stay connected to the vine. There is no growth. There's no maturity. There's no life without forgiveness. Uh, I wondered this question, why should I ask God for forgiveness daily? At the finished work of the cross, hasn't God forgiven me once and for all? My past sins, my present sins, my future sins. When Jesus said, it is finished, didn't he deal with all my sin at that cross and he forgave me once and for all? Why do I need to pray for forgiveness daily? I once heard someone say this. uh, Actually, when I pray to God, I don't actually ask for forgiveness because he actually forgave me a long time ago on the cross. I wonder this. But... To understand, obviously, when we read this here, Jesus himself is saying, hey, pray like this. Ask for forgiveness. And that's not just saying that one-time forgiveness, Lord, forgive me of all my sin. I'm saved. It's a daily forgiveness here that Jesus is instructing us to do when we pray. And for us to understand this, if you're taking notes, uh, I would like us to write this down. It's going to get a little technical here, a little teaching. We got to understand the difference between, all right, don't get overwhelmed. The difference between judicial Justification, 
Can everyone say judicial justification? And relational sanctification. All right, judicial justification. I'm going to go over this. Relational sanctification. It's really helpful to understand this. Judicial justification, it means this. You and I, because of the finished work of the cross, our legal standing with God and our status with God as His children is secure once and for all. Okay? This is what judicial justification means. We have been saved by grace, not by works, once and for all. Our identity as children of God is secure, and nothing can separate us from His love. It is guaranteed, it's sealed, the righteousness of Christ covers us, His blood speaks a better word, we will forever have a place in His kingdom family, He will forever be our Father, and our future is secure. Praise the Lamb. That's judicial justification. And I'll read a couple verses here. Romans 8.38 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor debt, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Ephesians 2.8-9, it says, For by, the, by grace... You have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. This is why we praise God, as we sang earlier. And then there's the other thing. Relational sanctification. And this means this. Although our legal standing with God and our status is secure in Christ by His grace, we are still living in a time where we are still being sanctified, aren't we? We are still dealing with our sin nature. We are still being made into the likeness of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. We're all under construction, still battle the sin nature within. And like the verse says, we are still working out our salvation with fear and trembling. And still hold on to the promise that he who began a good work will bring it to completion on the day of his return. It's still going on right now. We still have rough edges. We still have pain that needs to be healed. We are still hurt people who hurt people. We are still maturing and growing in selflessness. This means that the quality and the health of our relationships are far from perfect. I dream of a day, and yes, it's coming, where we will have perfect intimacy with one another and perfect intimacy with God. But we are very far from it. This is relational sanctification. All relationships are still affected by sin. So what does this mean? To answer that question, do we still need to ask forgiveness from God every day? For those who are saved, in terms of our judicial justification, no. We don't need to ask that again. It's once and for all. But when it comes to our relational sanctification, yes, we do need to ask for forgiveness. Because we still do sin each and every day. We need to ask God for forgiveness daily because our intimacy with Him is far from perfect. And I can't wait till that day 
where we will experience perfect fellowship with Him. You guys with me? Right. What we should understand regarding sin, right? Just because the penalty of sin was dealt with on the cross does not mean that we will not experience the consequences of sin. This is really important. You and I, the Bible says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We will never be condemned. We cannot lose our salvation. But when we sin, we will still reap the consequences of it. Sin damages relationships, like I shared earlier. To help us understand this, I preached this a couple months ago with Peter. When disciple Peter, when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, what did Peter say? Peter said, no, Lord, no, don't wash my feet. Wash everything. Wash my head, wash my hands, wash my whole body. And then what did Jesus say? And then Jesus said this, no, you don't need your whole body to be washed. Your whole body is actually clean, Peter, but your feet are dirty. And I shared in that sermon that the whole body being clean means that judicial justification, that we are clean. The righteousness of Christ does cover us. But daily, we need to uncover our feet, show our dirty feet as we walk amongst this world. And we need to what? Relational sanctification. We need to be cleansed. Forgive me, Jesus, for what I have done. Right? That is why His mercies, the Bible says, are new every morning. Not, His mercy is not for us just that one time when we're saved. His mercies are new every morning. I'm going to read this. It's not on here. 1 John 1, 6 through 9. It says, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, asking for forgiveness, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our debts. And then it says, this is the hard part, right? As we forgive our debtors, as we forgive those who have done us wrong. Understanding how wonderful and how undeserved God's forgiveness is, both for our justification and our sanctification, this should humble us. As we sang, man, as I was preparing the sermon, and as we sang Living Hope, I was just reminded of how much God had forgiven me. And I was just just moved to tears because I was like, why? (laughs) Why, Lord? It should overflow on how we treat and view and love others. This is part of what it means to mature in Christ. When we mature in Christ, think of a garden in our hearts. Fruit is cultivated. The more we grow in our intimacy with God... And understanding how much we've been saved, guess what happens? It leads to intimacy with one another. 
Meaning, the more we understand and we, it becomes a norm in our lives where forgiveness is so much more real each and every day, not just that one time, but every day, washing our feet every day. Once we experience that more and more with God, what happens? I'm not saying it's easy. But it helps us to understand what supernatural forgiveness really is toward one another. How can we withhold forgiveness after being forgiven so much? I'm reminded of the woman with the alabaster jar. She knew her sin. And she knew how much she's been forgiven. In Luke 7.47, Jesus says this about her. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. Say that again. He who, Jesus says, he who is forgiven little, loves little. He who does not understand how much they've been forgiven by God will have a very difficult time forgiving one another. As we pray this prayer, we should pray, pray for a, what I like to call a forgiveness-oriented heart. Can we say the word oriented? That's a key word. Which means this. Forgiveness is not easy. We're human. Anybody else human? We're all human. Forgiveness is not easy. And we can't just forgive religiously just because the Bible says so. I'm going to forgive. Boom. It just doesn't work like that. We're human. Forgiveness is a process. Forgiveness takes time to go through those emotions as a normal human being. Dealing with the grief. Dealing with the injustice. But forgiveness orientation is saying this. Honestly, God, I can't do it right now. But I want to. I want to head that direction. I want to head that direction. That's forgiveness oriented heart. We pray for a forgiveness oriented heart. And what does this mean? A lifestyle of extending forgiveness and mercy that will benefit our relationships greatly. You know, when we think sermons on forgiveness, for some of us, we have someone in mind, or we have someone in mind that we did forgive. There are those big-time offenses, that, those memories we may think of. Maybe there is someone now you may be thinking of, whether it's parents, or whether it's friends, whoever it is. But then there are This happens every day. Small-time offenses. Forgiveness is not just those big-time offenses. Forgiveness is daily. When people offend us, rub us the wrong way, bother us, we get hurt. It happens each and every day. A forgiveness-oriented heart is cultivating that heart of love, of patience, being charitable in grace, giving the benefit of the doubt, Because when we cultivate a forgiveness-oriented heart, whenever the big-time forgiveness kind of stuff happens, we'll be ready for it. We'll be ready for it. It's a process. Now, when I say forgiveness-oriented heart, what I'm not saying is don't... What I'm not saying is be a doormat. What I'm not saying is be abused and just take it in the name of Christian values. That's not what I'm saying. Don't be a doormat. 
But let me, I won't go too deep into this, but we can forgive as Christ forgave. And at the same time, we can speak the truth in love to address the wrongs. Okay. The Lord's Prayer doesn't end there. Next week, there's going to be a preaching, a sermon on the next part. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But when we read that portion in Matthew, the Lord's Prayer does not end there. Actually, at the end of that prayer, Jesus teaches a PS. A PS that's added to that, to emphasize this part of forgiveness. That PS, it says this. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And here's the hard part. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will our Father forgive your trespasses. Do you hear what, do you hear what Jesus said? That little P.S. Hey, if you don't forgive others, our Father's not going to forgive you. Who's confused? <laughs> I'm guessing many of you are just listening, listening, seeing your faces. I'm confused when I read this. But there's a lot of passages like this. What this means is that when we ask God to forgive us of our sins, we need to realize that even in the category of sin is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is a grave sin. Why? Because it's the antithesis of the gospel. It's the very opposite of the gospel. We see here a very clearly a conditional clause. If we forgive, then God will forgive us. If we don't, then God will not. We see the, we see, she, we see the conditional clause here. But the good, big question is this. If I struggle with forgiveness, or if I don't forgive and harbor unforgiveness in my heart, will God not forgive me? If he does not forgive me, will I lose my salvation? If the Father does not forgive me, do I lose my salvation? If God doesn't forgive me. Let me address this right here. Remember, this is a prayer that believers pray. It's a believer's prayer. Why? Because it starts with our Father. It's a believer's prayer. On the surface, it sounds like salvation based on works and not by grace. If I do this, then, then God will forgive me and I'll be saved. It sounds like that on the surface, doesn't it? But here's a foundational truth that I'm going to emphasize again. You and I, we are saved by grace through faith. Period. <clears throat> Meaning this. You and I, we cannot lose our salvation. So rest assured, our salvation is secure. Amen? One, one interpretation to this is this. Oh, if you can't forgive, you have a hard time forgiving, or if you're, if you're set on not forgiving, that means you're actually not really saved. That's one interpretation. Right? If, you don't, if you have a settled position of unforgiveness, you're never saved to begin with. Right? According to this interpretation, it's not to condemn, but it's actually to invite. Invite us to re-examine and be like, hey, let me connect to that first part. Let me understand how much I have been forgiven. Let me actually t- pause and try to understand the gospel. Okay? That's one interpretation. But the other interpretation is this. 
And I got really blessed by learning about this. It says, God will not let it slide. God will not let your sin slide as if nothing happened. Okay? He's not going to let our sin slide as if he doesn't see it. Your salvation is secure, but here it is. Our fellowship with him, there will be consequences. Our salvation is secure, but sin, including unforgiveness, it will affect your intimacy with God. You are his son. You are his daughter. But in terms of the quality of intimacy you have with him, it's really up to you. <clears throat> in this passage, Jesus, I believe Jesus is talking not of our judicial justification, but relational sanctification. When Jesus says that the Father will not forgive, what he means is that God will allow the person to walk in their sin. And he won't let it slide. He's going to address the elephant in the room. Think about it. When we approach God in prayer, God, pray for our daily needs. I pray for our daily bread. God, we worship you. God, we pray for this. We ask for this. We depend on you. We pray for this. But the elephant in the room that God sees is, but what about your unforgiveness? I'm not going to let it slide. You're going to come face to face with it. You're going to come face to face with it. We cannot possibly walk with God in true fellowship if we refuse to forgive one another. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying, I believe that if we want breakthrough in our intimacy with God, if we want enriched Fellowship with God. We can't let sin slide. We can't take sin lightly. There's a quote that says, Till sin becomes bitter, Christ will not be sweet. I love that quote. Till sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. So what is our motivation for forgiving? Or matter, make it bigger. What is our motivation for not singing, sinning and living in holiness? Is our motivation moral? Is our motivation because we want to be a perfectionist spiritually? Is our motivation religious? I came out of this sermon prep and reading this passage with this. My number one reason for wanting to forgive. My number one reason to walk in holiness and not sin, is because I treasure my intimacy with God. I know deep within everyone's heart here, there is a desire for deeper intimacy with God. And this is where, in God's kindness, He draws each and every one of us, and He's like, hey, let's address these things. Let's address these things. Not only does our intimacy with God affect our intimacy with one another, but how we are interpersonally with others affects how we are in our intimacy with God. I want us to look at this ghetto diagram here. Our intimacy with God affects our intimacy with one another. We've heard this many times. But in this passage, what I see is this. But also... 
our intimacy with one another and how we love one another and how we forgive one another also affects our intimacy with God. It also affects the quality of our relationship with God because God sees it all. God sees it all. How can we pray, God, forgive me, forgive me, and not forgive, and then expect God to bless us and entrust us? How can we? Even in Matthew chapter 5, 24, it says this. When you are offering your gifts at the altar, when you are worshiping and trying to be intimate with God and just worshiping Him, Jesus says this, stop that. Go reconcile with your brother and then come back and lay your offering. It's important to God that we reconcile. Relational sanctification. I believe that when we cultivate a forgiveness-oriented heart, and when we seek to live out the gospel in this way, when we forgive one another, overflow in charity of mercy and grace toward one another, there will be breakthrough waiting for us in our relationship with God. God is waiting. He want, as our Father, He wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. He wants to have, bestow favor upon us. He wants to pour out finances. He wants to pour out open doors. He wants to pour out all these blessings that He knows we want. But the question is this, does God trust us? Does God trust you to be able to steward these things? Right? And my last point is this, forgiveness brings unity. Not only individual intimacy with God, but a corporate intimacy with God. Church, this is our community here. Just look around for a second. This is the body of Christ. We are a family, whether we like it or not. I like it. <laughs> we are a family. And let me read this passage from Psalm 133. It says, it's not on the slide, it says this. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It says this. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. What is it saying? How good and pleasant it is when God sees that there is unity, a charity of mercy and grace, forgiveness amongst the body of Christ. And God sees that. He's pleased in that. And he begins to trust his community right here because he sees the unity. And he says, it's like the oil. It's like the anointing. It's like the favor. It's like the blessings, it says at the end of this verse, that is poured out upon that church, upon that family. How many of you guys revival, want revival at this church? Me. <laughs> How many of you guys want God to pour out his spirit? And I just, I'm, not, I'm not saying this message that we're far from it. I feel like we're really close, actually. I love this church. We've been growing as a family through the thick and thin. It's been good. But my encouragement to us as we pray the Lord's Prayer is this. Let's pray for a forgiveness-oriented heart. 
And let's deal with these things interpersonally, knowing that it affects how God feels. It affects our relationship with God. Be aware of the sins of unforgiveness, bitterness, hatred, gossip. Let's substitute those things with honor, with grace, with mercy. And see what God does in this community and see what happens in your relationship with God. Where your conscience is clear, where it's just one step closer to that perfect intimacy that is going to happen when Jesus comes back. Amen.